to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Belief in God is common sense. This is not intended as bait for atheists. It's simply a historical observation. Belief in God or gods is a universal reality throughout time. Like the fascination with art and music, or our quest for intimacy and social organisation, reverence for a creator is one of the few shared traits of the whole human family. Even today, four out of five Australians acknowledge the existence of God. Only about one in 20 describe themselves as atheists. Of course, the proposition God exists is not provable in a mathematical sense, nor can it be tested by science. Like love, art, or human consciousness, this truth sits outside the reach of empirical testing. It's a macro-truth which makes sense of the world we live in and which has therefore made a lot of sense to a lot of people throughout time. It is common sense. It may be true, as the minority argue, that the sophisticated orderliness of the universe and the mystery of the human mind are the result of blind natural forces. But this explanation continues to strike most men and women, whether rich or poor, ancient or modern, educated or otherwise, as profoundly unlikely and deeply unsatisfying. More plausible, it seems, is the observation of the ancient biblical poet who said, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. If this is true, the question of God is the most interesting and urgent of all. But the simple fact of worldwide reverence for a maker raises an obvious question. Whose God should we listen to? Perhaps there is a spiritual kingdom beyond the material one, but which version should we seek? Well, the unique and enduring claim of Christianity in all its forms is that the God of universal conviction, of our common sense, has broken into history for all to see. The kingdom of God has touched the world of humanity in a tangible way. While churches have disagreed about many things through the centuries, the acknowledged core of Christianity is Jesus Christ, his teaching, healings, death, and rising to life. And all of these, including the healings and resurrection, remain the subject of serious examination by scholars today. Because Christianity's claims are uniquely tangible having to do with historical events, not simply timeless spiritual truths, they are probed and evaluated in a manner without parallel in the study of the world religions. Archaeologists dig up Galilee and Jerusalem to see if Jesus' stomping ground has been accurately described by the Gospels, those New Testament accounts of his life. Historians pore over the non-Christian evidence to see if Jesus' teaching, healings, death and resurrection rate a mention outside the Bible. And they analyse the New Testament writings themselves to assess their worth as independent historical sources. On all these counts, Christianity fares much better than most of us realise. The Christian faith gladly places its neck 
on the chopping block of public scrutiny and invites anyone who wishes to come and take a swing. Well, Jesus restored the sight of the blind, healed the sick, and exercised mastery over nature itself. While the non-Christian references to Jesus do corroborate his fame as a wonder worker, can such claims be believed today? How you and I answer this question depends not only on historical evidence, which in the case of Jesus' miracles is plentiful, but on our underlying beliefs about God. If we assume that the observable laws of nature are the only things governing the universe, that there is no law giver behind these laws, no God, then claims of miracles, no matter how widespread the historical evidence, will be dismissed as nonsense. If, on the other hand, we hold that the laws of nature are not the only things governing the universe, that there is a lawgiver or God behind the laws of nature, then, given the strength of the historical evidence in this case, openness to Jesus' miracles is perfectly rational. More important than this philosophical observation, though, is an understanding of the meaning of Christ's reported deeds. According to Jesus, his healings were a tangible sign that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God was first promised in the Old Testament or Jewish scriptures. There it's pledged that God will one day overthrow evil and heal our frailty and so prove himself king over his creation. If you've ever asked, why doesn't God do something about the evil and pain of the world? You have, in a sense, hoped for what Jesus called the kingdom. Strikingly, Jesus insisted that his healings, exorcisms, and mastery over nature were not simply an indication of his kingly status in God's kingdom. They were a preview of the kingdom itself. His deeds were a pledge within history that what we all yearn for, the triumph of justice and the renewal of human life, God will one day accomplish. Jesus the healer was also famous as a teacher. The point hardly needs stating. Many of his sayings have become proverbial in Western culture. Turn the other cheek. Do to others what you would have them do to you. You are the salt of the earth. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And countless other expressions of what, after two millennia, seem like self-evident wisdom. But what is the central obligation of men and women, according to Jesus the teacher? Well, when asked this very question, he replied in these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. According to Jesus Christ, the golden rule of God's kingdom is a simple twofold directive. Love your maker and love your neighbor. The logic is seamless. If God exists, what could be more basic to authentic human living than wholehearted devotion to our creator and selfless care for our fellow creatures? 
Jesus leaves no room here, either for the religious hypocrite, who is zealous for God but uncaring toward others, or for the ethical agnostic, who aims to be a good person but who ignores the Creator himself. Both fail the teaching of Christ. Our culture rightly condemns those who say they love God but lack a basic human compassion. In doing so, however, we should recognize that the reverse is equally contemptible. Loving your neighbor while shunning your creator is a grave distortion of the shape of human life. It is to break what Jesus the teacher called the first and greatest commandment. Such a person may be good on their own definition, but not on Christ's. Hope 1032. Thanks for listening.